This is 8 Minutes, a podcast helping you understand the energy and climate challenge in just a few minutes. I'm your host, Paul Schuster. Spend any amount of time talking about the large-scale rollout of renewable energy, and an odd phrase will find its way into the conversation. What exactly is a duck curve? This little gem was introduced by the California Independent System Operator in 2013 and has found its way into everyday practice in explaining the challenge with incorporating solar energy onto the grid. And it's super insightful in understanding what we need to do in order to transition over to a wholly renewable powered electrical grid. We'll tackle this super interesting subject today. Eight minutes. It's how long it takes the sun's rays to hit Earth, or about how long it takes a duck to fly seven miles. Unlike me, they're not just winging it. Get it? Let's get it on. So today's episode may be a challenge, as I'm going to try to explain a chart without any visual cues for you all to go by. But the duck curve is an important part of the energy transition challenge. So I'll take a quack at it. Think of electricity demand as it changes throughout the day. During the early morning hours, it's pretty low. No one's up yet. Coffee makers haven't been turned on. The base load overnight is as low as it gets during the day. But once people start to wake up, that demand for electricity starts to increase up until about noon or so when it levels off. And then once people start going home from work, the electricity need starts to come back down. Eventually, it returns to that low demand period overnight, and we start the cycle again. All right, got that picture in your head? High period of demand during the day, low period of demand during the night. Great. Now, power system operators need to ensure that electricity is available at any of those times. So in the past, this was relatively easy. They would build what's called baseload generating units to meet the minimal needed demand every day. These baseload units, they stay on all the time. So think of nuclear or coal units that were really difficult to just turn on and off. So you just left them on. Thing is, there's always some demand on the grid, so this worked out fine. The ramp up in demand, that peak day use period, that was covered by cycling units or peaking units, usually natural gas plants that could turn on and off quicker and do a better job at following the demand for electricity. But now let's add solar to the mix. Solar isn't driven by a typical fuel supply. It's only going to generate power during the daytime when the sun's out. And at first blush, Maybe that's a good thing, as frankly, that's when there's the most demand for electricity anyways. But it gets a little more challenging when we talk about a lot of solar coming onto the grid, as what has happened out in California, or in Hawaii, or increasingly in other states as well. Think of it this way. That chart that we crafted of a day's demand where the highest demand occurs during the day, you can think of the solar as reducing that demand during the daytime. Just as people start to increase their needs for electricity, the sun comes out and offsets that increased demand. In an ideal grid balancing world, the amount of solar being generated would perfectly offset the increased demand, and the grid operators could just run their baseload units all the time, no problem. But when too much solar comes on, then the curve starts to invert. More solar is being generated than the need is out there, so the quote-unquote demand curve actually starts to dip below the amount of baseline generation that's being created. The more solar, the further that line drops below the baseline. So what do you do? Do you take baseline units offline? Remember, we're going to need that power later during the nighttime when we can't just rely upon solar power. So we can't just turn them all off. 
What really happens is that that excess solar power is what gets turned off. The system operators curtail the new solar generation in favor of keeping the baseload units, which, remember, are nuclear, coal, and gas units. Yeah, it comes to a point where we've done such a good job of installing solar that we turn those units off in favor of running more fossil generating plants. And to make matters worse, there's a short period of the day towards the end of the work commute when streetlights are coming on, people are preparing dinner, work shifts are changing, but the sun has dropped over the horizon and the amount of solar power being generated is plummeting. The demand part of the curve whips back up to its normal high demand in a really short time frame, and the only way to meet that type of need is by turning on super expensive natural gas peaking units that can come online in as little as seven minutes. So now, that excess solar is not only going to waste during the day, but it's causing the grid to invest in expensive peaking units during the evening hours and ratcheting up electricity bills for everyone involved. Do you understand why this is such a big deal? Bringing more solar online should be a good thing. We need the renewable power to help displace the fossil fuel projects that would have provided us power otherwise. But if we do it wrong, we could end up turning off a lot of useful solar power and causing the overall system to be much more expensive than it otherwise should have been. By the way, our demand curve is now starting to take on a different shape than it had before. Remember our original two-period curve of high demand in the day and low demand at night? Now, the curve starts at that period of low demand during the night, but as solar comes online and offsets the increasing need for electricity, the demand curve actually plummets significantly, bottoming out during the midday sun, and then we experience this super fast ramp up back to the original demand towards the end of the day. That decreased demand is the belly, if you will, of the duck. And if you think of the baseload generation as being the waterline, once that demand curve, that, that belly falls below the waterline, then we're starting to curtail solar. And that fast ramp up kind of looks like a neck, so it kind of resembles a Rorschach duck. In any case, the challenge is real. How can we harvest the good solar power during the day that would otherwise be curtailed and use it during those evening and nighttime hours? In 2022, California was forced to curtail 2.4 terawatt hours of solar. There has to be a way to salvage some of that valuable energy, which is why battery storage is such a big deal in California and Hawaii right now. Sure, it's intuitive to think about storing sun power and using it at night, but when we think about the duck curve, Storage is super powerful. It takes power that otherwise would have been curtailed and shifts it to those evening hours when the sun is setting, but demand hasn't come down yet. Instead of ramping up costly emissions-heavy gas units, we could turn on a battery and reuse the solar energy from before. It keeps both emissions and costs down for the grid. And over time, as more batteries come online, it helps the system operator to feel comfortable in turning off some of those baseload coal units and bringing that water level down as well. The grid can go to a more stable solution rather than being held together by duct tape. Okay, that was the last bad duck joke, but the challenge of the duck curve is anything but funny. Despite great success in our solar installations, the impact has been to raise prices and have a lower impact on emissions than we really wanted. The solution, more battery storage which is why California's storage forecast, at least, is projected to increase by 10 times over the next few years. If that happens, our little duck can start swimming a little more easily on its pond again. I'm Paul Schuster, 
and this has been your eight minutes.